In this episode, we're going to talk about the Mandela effect, specifically one that I've never heard of that's quite interesting. Secondly, we're going to talk about Baron Trump being a time traveler. There's a whole conspiracy, and it's actually really weird. Thirdly, we're going to talk about did the CIA um, create gangster rap? We're going to find out. And then lastly, we're going to find out about, or we're going to go and delve into Elon's recent interview, uh, and that's going crazy on Twitter, and specifically what some people aren't talking about, which probably should be talking about. Okay, let's get into the show. All right, I just got back from vacation, I guess you could say. Uh, my family does a yearly Thanksgiving trip to Santa Barbara, to Paradise, and uh, I can tell you it was nice. It was in the 70s. Spent many days in the beach, on the beach, swimming in the ocean. Have you ever swam in the ocean? I have. I don't care for it. <laughs> oh, dude, it's, it's, like, it's kind of like a cold plunge, but not as cold. And I, 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 keep, I tell my wife, she probably thinks I'm ridiculous for it but i was like i feel so close to god when i'm in the ocean like you have this real fine sand under your feet you're in like the waves like there's this power and it just feels like i'm in god's pool it's weird i I can't quite explain like i just feel one with nature it's awesome do you ever think about how when you're in the ocean you're like touching the same body of water that's touching so many other things yeah and it's never like, the same water you're touching yeah you're, it's never the same water and like you're in the same pool of body uh like body of water that's touching other continents and ships yeah. and stuff it's crazy to think about it's cool to think about salt water to me uh salt is a preservative as like a disinfectant obviously you can't drink it but it's like cleaner than you know your average jacuzzi uh, or like swimming pool. Like I, I think chlorine pools are, I, I, it just feels like, I think I was in my mom's pool uh, a year ago or so. And I kept saying, I, I can like smell the chlorine. Like it's, it's harming my lungs. It's harming my throat. I could feel it like, like burning. Burns. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. And obviously with some pools you do, they do salt. Uh, they use salt water, you, you know, whatever it is, which I think is just, Anything natural just seems like it's going to be the best fit, you know, just time-tested, human-approved. Um, someone's going to come up with a fallacy in that, but uh, either way. Chorus, how was your Thanksgiving? It's pretty good. We uh, got to hang out with family, ate a lot of good food. Uh, we stay in town. I didn't know you guys actually do, uh, it was a tradition to go out of yeah, town. Yeah, so every that, year. That's pretty fun. Uh, yeah, it was good. Um I picked up a new pistol, so me and my wife had some fun. A new uh, pistol? At the range, yeah, like kind of decking that out, so it was cool. Oh, dude, tell me about this. Uh, Cora's had an intruder on his property. Oh, yeah, dude. So we were we were hanging out on the couch. It was around midnight, and my wife was asleep on the couch. I was like watching YouTube or something, and I heard this like rustling noise in the trash, which normally means there's a raccoon Raccoons. out there. Yeah, yeah, it always happens downtown uh, where I live. Uh, so I went out to kind of go shoo them out. And I went through the back, and there's like a chain link fence in between me and the trash can. And as I open the door, I see this figure, this man, like kind of stand up straight. Like I shocked him. I don't know why I surprised him. He was being so loud. He should have known I was going <laughs> to come out. And he just takes off running. So I'm like, oh, great. So I go inside, put on my shoes, get my pistol, and I'm like, I'm just going to let him go like... I, I've been downtown like, for I'm a long gonna time. I'm not going to shoot him. I'm not going to, you know. Yeah, like, I, you know, I worked downtown for a long time, and, like, yeah. you just, you know, you have to draw some boundaries, but I get it. You, you're going through hard times. You're just trying to find odds and ends in the trash. And there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them, so you're going you're gonna to bump into people once in a while. So no harm, no foul. Well, the issue is I go out front, and uh, first of all, I see that my car door is open, so I'm like, oh, that's great. I either forgot to lock it or there's something wrong. Oh, no. Um. Actually, the the car door is open, like the latch is broken. So, um, yeah, I'm just remembering that now. But there's nothing valuable. But I'm just like, okay, he's like going through our stuff now. That's kind of alarming. And then I turned my attention to the trash can where he was, um, and he had left a pile of mail that he had stolen from neighbors' mailboxes. I'm like, that's great. And he left this that's a metal federal crime, I believe. Yeah, you uh, APD is pr- unaware of that. 
Oh my um, gosh. So, and he also left a metal rod with a nail sticking out the end of it, like a like a makeshift weapon. Yeah. Like, okay, this is not cool. So I bring the stuff inside. I'm like, I don't want him to come back and get the thing and stab me or something. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, I'm sure he's gone. I probably frightened him. And so I, I'm putting the stuff inside and I'm going to go back out front to check on the contents of the car to make sure that he didn't go through the other vehicle or we have a couple neighbor's cars right there. And as I'm checking on the vehicle, I see him trying to sneak back around the corner in the dark to kind of like come and get his stuff. And as he sees me again, he's like startled again and takes <laughs> off running. So I'm like, okay, this guy is creeping around and I don't know how many times he's going to keep coming back. Yeah. Um, and what's concerning is the place he was like hiding is kind of like a blind spot from our front door. So he could have come out like right around and like, oh, wow. like startled me or, or hurt my wife or something. Startlings. Yeah. I was like very weird. So I'm like, okay, that's not cool. Um, and we had like, I had, my real concern is I had some cash in the glove box that we had to deposit that day that I forgot about. So oh, I'm wow. like, okay, let's just um, make sure the cash was there. And so we like, let it lay for a little bit. Um, I haven't even called the police at this point. So I'm like, I'll just throw this thing away and maybe I'll figure out how to, d- I, I have everyone's address. I can just take their mail back tomorrow. Um, well, at, I'm talking to my wife and I'm like, Hey, let's just go deposit this cash in an ATM tonight. And we'll just kind of keep an eye on things for a while. Well, as we get into the car and pull out, we see him on his bike on what time is it? our street. At this point, it's like one, I want to say. He's, he's on his bike kind of circling back and forth, like staying in the area. Like, why are you staying by my house? I've already ran you off twice. Uh, oh, uh, when he ran off the second time, I like yelled at him like, hey, dude, get off my property. Don't come back. And he like pretended like he couldn't hear me, but then like got frightened when I yelled and I like, kept going. So I, I don't know what this guy's thinking, which is mm. alarming to me. Well, as I get on the phone with the police, I'm like, hey, this guy is still around. He's like, he sees me watching him and he's like poking through neighbors' yards. He's like checking their doors and going through their trash. As I guess he realizes that I'm like kind of keeping an eye on him. He gets off his bike and pulls out two machetes and starts like screaming with oh. his machetes and like, oh my God, like stabbing the ground and like yelling. And I'm like telling the police this and like, okay, we'll get inside and don't provoke him. Okay. So we, we get back in our house. Eventually the police come by and they're like, hey, we just want to let you know. He seems like a nice old man and there's nothing to charge him with. So very cool. Um, stay inside. Awesome. Like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna stay inside. Like, so what are you gonna do? Well, nothing. You know, at, when the police approached, he put down the machetes. I'm like, well, he didn't put down the machetes when I was out there. He didn't put down the machetes when cars were driving by and he was swinging right. them at the cars. So yeah. I, so un- anticlimactic. They didn't even move the dude out of my neighborhood. They just left him there, very and cool. he was gone in the morning. So thankfully that was over. But cool. it was a weird situation. Very cool. So there's a, for those that don't know, aren't from Albuquerque, there's a, obviously in certain cities across the United States where they're not tough on crime. In fact, they can't even, they could probably arrest this. This is probably why the police officers probably weren't, um, they're probably discouraged. I know I've talked to many of them and they're like, oh, we can't do anything. We take them to jail, then they get let out and there's no point. We just wasted our night and um, they're not allowed to, punish crime, punish criminals. It has to do with the DAs and all that stuff. Um, so, but that's crazy, dude. You know, that was one of the things that when I first got back to town um, was kind of sad. I'm like, I drive over to drop off some new uh, masters and uh, I'm looking at a dude right on the sidewalk, just another, just dying, just dying on drugs. And then I want to say it was that night I was driving home and I just got off the freeway, going to drop some packages off at the post office. And I just get off the freeway and I look over and there's a long line of cars right before they're getting on the freeway. And I look over and I'm like, oh, there's a guy on the floor with like four other people. And another guy's just like got hit by a car and, you know, probably dying. Fire trucks. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, what a welcome back to Albuquerque. You know, I'm just, I'm just getting back from paradise in Santa Barbara where everything's super expensive. They price out all of the crime, but at least people, you know, police officers come because they're, they're protecting, you know, the elites, the wealthy people of society. No disrespect, but you know, that's, it's a different society. It's wild. So the transition has been kind of rough. I want to say the next day I also witnessed another thing. I was like, geez, man, it's wild. It it's, is. It's getting crazy. It's the apocalypse. 
Which brings us into the Mandela effect, which I've seen many of these. The Berenstain Bears one is a popular one. There was the Ford logo. Some else, some other guy uh, sent me a Fruit of Loom logo on uh, two side by side. But what we're going to focus oh, yeah, on... yeah, with the cornucopia. Yes. What we're going to focus on today was a new one that I came across. It's probably old news for some of you. I'll start with a question. Do you remember a movie from the 1990s where Sinbad, the actor Sinbad, Sinbad played a genie? Yes or no? If your answer is yes, show the video or show the uh, first picture. There's the picture of the VHS. And then show the next picture. So this is apparently not real. Shazam was not even a movie ever. Um, what does it say in the bottom right? Can you read it? It's the Wikipedia essentially of, uh, or at least the Google. There was no film called Shazam ever made in the 90s. Uh, and Sinbad never played a genie in the movie either. It's a Mandela effect. That was never a movie. I thought it was a movie, but there was a different actor associated with it. So it seems to be people confusing movies that he must have played in um, with the same era that Shaq's version. Go to the, the picture before. So that's what it is. Shaq did Kazam, where he was a genie. And so apparently the Mandela's effect is like we have a collective memory that it was Sinbad. But then I kept doing research. And I came across this video where they found Sinbad as the genie in the movie Shazam. Whoa. Is this coming to anyone's memory? Feels good to get out that thing. Woo! Kind of cramped up in there. Should have took you long enough, Tina. <laughs> Wait, y'all are not Tina. Kidnapper! Ah! Wait, wait, wait! Where you going? I just got here. What happened to saying hello? So that's good. So apparently, it does exist. Just kidding. That was College Humor, recreated that recently, relatively recently, as a spoof. I think it was an April Fool's joke. Uh, so it's not. mess with some people, dude. Oh, it totally messed with me. When I first saw it, and I had to like, oh, okay, what the heck's going on here? It's like a double Mandela effect, like it does exist. Yeah. It's like now quant- I have Mandela effects about things that are real. <laughs> yeah, it was like a quantum physics thing. I was thinking like alternate universes, you know, are all simultaneously going. It's like, are we changing, you know, dimensions is, was this in an alternate universe real apparently that's the the uh lore of the mandela effect which brings us into time traveling so this is one after i posted that on instagram after my i was just kind of going down that rabbit hole and i posted it and one guy said have you heard of this story baron trump is a time traveler according to a, a certain conspiracy theory uh let's do the overview the theory that the Trumps are time travelers. Grab me a DeLorean. This connects to Nikola Tesla. No way. <laughs> Nikola Tesla died, and within his hotel that he had 80-plus trunks of all his patents, his designs for different technologies, all this stuff. Guess who they sent first to go and collect the stuff? I don't know. John G. Trump. Donald Trump's uncle. What? <laughs> Weird. So the theory That's is bizarre. That he took yeah. some of these trunks. Oh, no. Oh, no. But Tesla said that he had figured out how to bend time. So As one does. The theory <laughs> is Donald Trump's uncle, uncle took this, created a time machine. Oh, my gosh. And then the weird connection is there was a book that came out in 1896, and it's called Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Journey. You're saying... Do you know it was what, actually do you, Baron do you, Trump. Do you know what the book was about? <laughs> what? Time travel? Baron Trump time traveling. Ah! No! Have you heard that? So, yeah. So this is actually kind of weird. I, I, I did a little research on this, and sure enough, it's real. I mean, the Baron Trump novels. I believe Baron Trump, Trump's actual son is B-A-R-R-O-N. Not that it's a significant difference, 
but as in the novel, it's B-A-R-O-N, Trump. So what's interesting, on the third paragraph there, I was reading this. Can you read it? Uh, is that right after? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Lockwood's Baron was yeah. an aristocratic young board. Board? I don't know what that means. Hmm. With his life of luxury, like a, maybe a border. Uh, life of luxury in Castle Trump. Searching for adventure, Baron travels Trump to Tower. Russia to discover an underground world beneath his feet. His, he journeys downward and finds himself lost in peculiar settings surrounded by the strange inhabitants of this new world. The stories follow his adventure and eventual struggle to find his way back to the surface he left behind. So this guy writes this book about, you know, this, art, this allegedly artificial character, right? Baron Trump. It's a two-series, a two-book series. And then after that series, I believe it's after, right around 1901, 1900, he, he writes a book called The Last President. And this is the overview right here. It says 1900 is when, uh, it's actually, I, may, I don't know if it was, I was in an 1896 novel, but it's called 1900 or The Last President by Ingersoll Lockwood. It's a surrealistic 1896 novel where Americans are protesting a corrupt election process while the president's hometown of New York City is feared is fearing the collapse of the republic after the transition of presidential power. How weird is that? Dude, that's pretty weird. That's pretty weird. I, so, do you think like maybe though he grows up in a house like hearing about Baron Trump and like, hey, we, maybe we should name our son that. It'd be kind of a fun callback to... Yeah. I don't know. But then the, the presidency thing is kind of weird. Well, what's weird... Yeah, definitely. Well, that was in, you know, 100 years ago. Over 100 years ago. I don't think the author had any, you know, connection to any Trumps. Um, but did you do you know how old, how tall Baron Trump is? How tall? Six seven. He's four inches taller than his dad already. Whoa, dude, he's tall. Uh, there's some pictures of him like standing ne next to him side by side. It's weird. Like the dude is like Nephilim, straight up. <laughs> um, so. And then I did a deep dive because there's like, so there's that connection, right? Where there's these novels that were depicting Baron Trump, you know, leaving, what do you call it? King, um, whatever it was, the kingdom, whatever. And then, um, then writing the book, uh, The Last President, which is just kind of coincidental, timely, uh, relative to the last election, of course. And then you have the connection, <coughs> excuse me, with Tesla of... Trump's uncle, John G. Trump. Pull up that wiki. So John G. Trump was an electrical engineer who was, for, I think his brother and him tried to do um, real estate development in New York. He, he went away and he started, he became an electrical engineer. But the weird connection is this is Trump's, Donald Trump's uncle. And in 1942 or three, when Nikolai Tesla died, Nikolai, Nikola Tesla, he had passed away like they said in that video, well, the FBI commissioned him, according to the Wikipedia here, to go look through the documents. So I don't know where they got the theory that he created a time machine based on this, but if anyone were to, this dude is like an MIT graduate. He's received specific awards. Like he's a big deal. And I just find it so weird that you have Trump's first uncle, like he's directly related brothers with his father with this direct relation to Tesla. And so the theory, of course, as it goes, is that he uh, created the time machine based off of Tesla's documents. And Baron, I don't really understand like what Baron Trump, like when he was, is he like super old and he's not actually Trump's son today? Or is he, because this all happened in the 40s and the 50s. And he was obviously not alive then. Or was he? I don't know. Pretty crazy. An interesting theory. I don't really know that it really makes a syncretic sense, if that's a thing. Well, he's definitely got like homeschooler vibes. So yeah. you never know. He could be like a time traveler or... Or just a kid. You or know? Just, a weird, just a weird guy, you know. Poor uh, guy. It's still interesting. <laughs> I never heard about the books, the novel specifically. I thought that was strange. And then, of course, the Tesla 
um, it just seems like some strange um, time traveler. Like there's no, apparently the only connection with time travel and is that Tesla had said that he figured out how to bend time, which is, is fascinating. But um, anyways, interesting, fun. Okay, moving on. CIA. Are they good? Or are they bad? I'm actually really conflicted by this because I don't know any firsthand CIA people, but uh, I know people that know CIA people and I'm always suspicious. I'm very, I don't I have a hard time trusting government, specifically dark or secretive government um, agencies, such as the NSA, CIA, for many reasons, of course. Um, but... Let's do this first one. I saw this today on Twitter. So we have this guy, Robert Seberher. He's an interesting character. He creates these documentaries on very, you know, fringe topics, to say the least. I, I think one of the first ones I saw was the Titanic and how the Federal Reserve uh, founders or uh, members, in order to get the Federal Reserve Act passed, there were people, there were bankers, prominent figures, billionaires, moder- what would have been modern day billionaires were on the Titanic that sunk and allowed because they were the fiercest opponents to the Federal Reserve Act. It allowed uh, after their passing for the Federal Reserve Act to get passed. So anyways, he, he reports on these types of things. Kind of obscure, difficult to absolutely say, but this is interesting. The CIA financed hip hop for social engineering to corrupt American youth, to quote corrupt American youth, and to covertly dis- destabilize and sow division in America, admits ex-CIA agent. What does he say here? It's a three-minute video. John Holmston, a retired CIA agent, has admitted on national Russian television that the CIA was behind the creation of the 1980s hip-hop scene and financed major hip-hop acts, including NWA, can I just say the government does like their acronyms, so it kind of tracks right. at this point. Yeah, and then Africa, got NWA. Bumbada, I'm sold. And Grandmaster what does NWA Flash stand for? Furious Five. I don't know. I'll look it up. The government at Uh-oh. the time spent quote big yeah, money, it's serious N-word money in there. Yeah, on this with attitude. Operation yeah, okay. destined to further division and corrupt the American youth to nihil- Okay, this whole name sounds like it was written by a bureaucrat. The name? Yeah, the whole name, like the of this rap group. Like I always thought it was kind of so? corny. Yeah. Like it is kind of weird for like brothers super with attitude. Hard. Really, yeah. that that's like yeah, your librarian wrote that to like go really hard, you know. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, keep going with this. List anti-establishment and anti-American ideologies. He explained in a half-hour interview broadcast on national television. Famous hip-hop songs of the legendary hip-hop outfit N.W.A were even scripted by a team of psychologists and war propagandists of the CIA. F the police, and when I'm called off, I got a sawed off, squeeze the trigger, and bodies are hauled off, and other nihilist and anti-establishment lyrics were intended to unleash a wave of cynicism towards authorities, promote the use of heavy drugs, and entice the youth with revolutionary counter-establishment ideas. So pause. It's interesting. Like some people are trying to rationalize the bit, the rise of Big Red. I think that's her name. Recently, she's like just crazy big. And you wonder, it's like, well, how does this happen? Is our culture this, you know, degenerate where you have these rap icons who are really like immoral promoting this stuff? And so it, it creates this like thing within me. I'm like, Okay, these things don't happen without really the allowance of money of the gatekeepers, so to speak, right? I mean, you've heard them criticize time and time again. Taylor Swift was out uh, criticizing her contract owners. It got her in trouble, actually, with George Soros or something. I think that was kind of a related thing, um, which is funny, but specifically with uh, the managers, music managers and her rights to her mu- music. Michael Jackson, same thing. Where they, where they sign these contracts as kids, their whole musical career, their whole creative catalog, and their person, their identity as, their, as the artist. Big Red. Sexy Red, or what's her name? I don't know. Uh, Michael Jackson. So they, uh, Prince had an issue with this, right? And that's why he had changed his name to a symbol. 
because he lost the rights to his music, something along these lines. So you have these conflicts with these uh, label owners and, and the like. Well, what's interesting is you see Ice Cube. He's been real active lately, right? In the last few years. He's always kind of been anti-establishment. And this guy's framing it like, you know, that was the CIA's doing and it was to, to create this like uh, anti-establishment, this, this, this corruption um, of society and order within the society and it's instill that in, in minority groups uh, specifically. But what's interesting is Ice Cube's kind of seemingly come around, you know, like he's, uh, it's, it's weird. Like I, I was researching this today. It was in the show. It was, it's not in the show notes, but how I, he, he says on a breakfast club or one of these podcasts or shows that the FBI had contacted, they sent a letter to the label or, you know, to, to wherever it was to stop talking about F the police or whatever it was, which I think is interesting in light of this. I don't know how this works out. Obviously the FBI is a different agency. It's three letter agency, government agency. Then the CIA, of course, but I'm trying to figure all this out. And then I, I do a little research and I find out the, uh, music manager of NWA is Jerry Heller, right? This is him here. And so I looked up on YouTube what his relationship to Ice Cube is, and it's really bad. So this guy, it says right there, what were the artists, the groups that he resided over? Uh, West Coast Rap, Gangster Rap, oh, Pioneers, NWA, uh, and Easy, which is part of NWA. Uh, also Marvin Gaye, Journey, Van Morrison, War, Eric Burden, Cos Crosby, Steals, and Nash, Tina Turner, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Oh no! Oh, I got to stop listening. To CCR. Oh no! Just kidding. <laughs> um, so real quick though, this is actually my point: is you have guys like this, the guys that own it, the guys that direct it, uh, the music managers, whatever. They're not in good relationship. Him and Ice Cube. But my point here is there's an interesting thing, whether or not this guy's CIA, it doesn't really matter. Um, there is a, the gatekeepers, right? There's the people that own the music. This is true. Charlemagne, the God, it, 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 there was a clip from like nine, 10 years ago that came out last year when Ye went off his thing and uh, essentially saying like these people own the music and so they get to decide what gets published. This is the big point is like, I just always assumed, you know, as a kid, things like just organically get, you know, elevated or just the culture just takes it like red, sexy red, is that, I think that's her name, uh, just gets elevated and explodes because the public is totally organic. But is it that way or is it selected by these people directed saying, you know, I heard a story about this. Um, there was a guy who has a podcast, actually, I forgot his name. But he's a black rapper, Christian guy. And he uh, wanted to be a part of uh, Bad Boy Records as a Christian artist, you know, preaching positive messages. And he tells his story how I think it was Diddy or somebody in, in the label <clears throat> told him there's no room for good boys on Bad Boys, on Bad Boy Records. And now, of course, I mean, the brand's Bad Boy, you know, that makes sense. But it kind of makes it made me think a little bit like interesting, like there, there are literal, there are people that are at the, the gate of success on a pop music level and being a former musician or a musician myself, if you have any sense of like quality, you listen to pop music and you're like, wow, there's, it really lacks a lot of like organic, uh, not AstroTurf talent. Not to say that there aren't they're not talented individuals like you know these singers Adele or whoever they are right I think they're talented but the art itself like the substance the Beyonces like all of this stuff all gets put through a filter and a filter is set with certain parameters based on the individuals and their agenda and I think that is it isn't organic that music just rises to a level I think it's astroturfed I, I, I'm I'm convinced of it because then you see this like indie music thing. I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but then you see like, I, I was always, I grew up like listening to indie music 
because it seemed like so much more real, authentic. You know, it wasn't being like it was a real expression. It wasn't plastic. It wasn't overproduced. It was authentic. It was real. And then you have, you know, albums like Bon Iver would come out with the first album for Emma or the EP, and it, and it was just so underproduced. It wasn't like super expensive or glamorized, but it was real. And that rose, and that was authentic, I think. And then you have like, uh, you just see this power struggle in it, and then they get bought, and then it turns into the same thing. Now, some might say that's just re- trying to recreate, you know, success, recreate something awesome. And when you're trying to do it inorganically, that's just what you sense. But I actually think this whole thing here, uh, there's something there. Uh, it's an intentional, this is my assumption based on uh, the evidence there. It's an intentional subversion of society, be it CIA or whatever group, based on their agenda and values. I'm convinced of it. Well, I can tell you this. This looks like a fad photo after they completed a mission because it looks eerily similar to this group photo of a fed group after they completed a mission. What is that? Picture? It's just the CIA. Oh, okay, fair enough. So I'm like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, to, it tracks. I was trying to figure it all out, but um, either way, it's just kind of weird. And then I'm making this connection like an ice cube. This is where my thought was going. Ice cube is, uh, was recently hanging out with Tucker Carlson and they were talking. And I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, Ice Cube's speaking out. He's kind of becoming an inactivist of sorts, maybe trying to right his wrongs from the past. He's gotten in trouble, named, you know, the same names that being flung around at Elon and really everybody that's not uh, controlled speech, controlled dialogue. Moving on to the next thing here. So Bill Buckley... This was a podcast that Tucker just did with, um, what's his name? Dave Smith. And uh, talking about Bill Buckley being CIA, I didn't know this. Not secret knowledge, it's on his Wikipedia, but play this clip. View Bill Buckley as one of like the great villains of the 20th century. I think he ruined... I couldn't agree more! (laughs) But, but he was clearly very, also CIA by the way, but he was also a very... Like, like, so I this is interesting for multiple reasons the on the topic of CIA, right? So you have Bill Buckley, William F. Buckley Jr. He was a political commentator, activist. He was in the cabinet. I believe he was, um, he advised Reagan. Uh, he had a show called The Firing Line with Bill Buckley, something like that, where they talked about debates. They, they talked about all these different political issues. So I looked up, actually, it's funny enough, I, I looked up William Buckley on uh, Google and I came across this guy who's a CIA agent, honorably. He actually was captured, different Bill Buckley. He was captured uh, in Havana or somewhere and killed on mission. And I was like, no way, they've conflated. But then I looked up the, this Bill Buckley, William F. Buckley Jr., and sure enough, he was also a part of the CIA. And where I find this interesting, and I, and I know this, we mentioned it on one of the previous episodes, Tucker Carlson's also CIA. Or no, sorry, he's not. I had heard it said that his dad was. And so I looked into it. And uh, can't, I, can't, I can't believe Dave, I was going to look into, what, did Dave Smith not ask? I want somebody to ask him about this. Tucker Carlson and his dad's, uh, you know, government connections. Because he does, he has a lot. His dad, a quick summation of his story, I just did a whole thing on it, in my uh, research on it. His dad, Tucker's dad, was adopted. His father had knocked up his mother, his biological father had knocked up his mother when um, they were in high school. He wanted to run away, get married, you know, and steal the baby and all that stuff. Steal the baby. I thought that was an interesting phraseology. Regardless, they wanted, he wanted, he tried to persuade the mother to run away with him. She said no. He offed himself. Weird, crazy. This is Tucker's dad. Tucker's dad's dad. Oh, okay, his grandfather. Yes, his okay. grand. So Tucker's grandfather. This is already interesting. Very fascinating. So, so Tucker's dad's dad, bio, bio, biological dad, offed himself while he was still in his mom, and she gave up the baby for adoption. This is Tucker's dad. So his dad was adopted. I think a couple times he was in an orphanage, and then he got 
fostered and then he got adopted by Carlson, uh, who then became his family, of course. Later in life, he uh, did a few different odd jobs. When he was 22, he became a uh, journalist, just like a freelance journalist with his friend. Um, that was the interesting part, actually. Go to his, if you will, actually. I was trying to find the connection. Like, where, where did his dad get involved in anything? You know, as a, an orphan and then an adopted kid? Like, was it his parents that had some sort of ends with the government? Or did he just purely just get in somehow? He met somebody at 22 who became his cohort in journalism. And he became, um, they started doing freelance journalism. So they sold stories. They went, he moved to San Francisco and they did stories. And they actually, uh, I think they sold a story to Look Magazine. And this was the demise of Look Magazine because they got sued for it. The story was that they implicated the mayor, A. Uh, a. Lioto at the time, this is in the 60s, I believe, in organized crime. And their sources never came out, and they might have even gotten killed. And A. Lioto and his people uh, sued them, sued Look Magazine for publishing the story, and that was the demise of Look Magazine, no more Look Magazine. Interesting. So Tucker, Tucker's dad then goes on and he continues doing journalism in LA, gets a job. And then what's weird is like he retires from journalism and then he works at a bank for three years. So he's no longer a journalist. He works at a bank and in three years he becomes the chief, uh, or sorry, yeah, the chief of finance of this bank. And what's weird is this bank has ties to the government, to the presidents. And in, in like, three years into, you know, doing this bank job. It's just weird. It's just weird. So yes, there's weird connections with Tucker's dad and the government. Now, whether that's good or bad, this is the, this is the conflict, right? Like I'm like, CIA good, bad, Tucker good, bad. His dad, Elon even, you know, like all of these figures who have connections to murky characters and murky um, whatevers. It just makes me think, what, what is... What's going on that we're not seeing, that we're not allowed to know about here? So Dave Smith, Tucker Carlson, this is a longer clip, but this was the one that was going on. And this is what I find interesting when we use this to transition to the next topic. You know, it's pretty obvious. It's certainly obvious to you and your entire audience, but like media are controlled. That's the whole point. And as soon as people sense you're not controlled or less controlled or you're out of control, <laughs> they, they want to watch, right? I mean, why wouldn't they? Yeah, no, absolutely. But it does like what it represents is right, like a real losing of that control. And for the first time, at least in my lifetime, that there isn't kind of this monopoly on the flow of information. And of course, Elon Musk buying Twitter is a big part of that. Um, and he's going to be dealing with is already dealing with tremendous forces trying to, you know, uh, interfere with that. Oh. But at least for now, it does seem like, yeah, there um the between the two guys I usually point to are you and Joe Rogan, but between you two guys and then a whole bunch of other guys like on smaller levels, but like a, a lot of them, Fun. it's like yeah the uh, there's a whole new generation of people who are consuming their information that is not controlled. That doesn't mean it's correct all of the time. I'm sure we all make our mistakes, but it's not controlled by the cia you know like there is well, a that's difference exactly there. right and and actually i know you know this because we've talked about it offline but if if you were to say out loud in specific terms the degree of control that that specific agency and there are many other agencies but that one specifically cia had over our public conversation and over our politics you'd sound like a complete freaking wacko like you would people wouldn't even believe you and yet it would be absolutely true so i guess what i'm saying is we understate the power, and I'm this is I'm speaking this from knowledge after 35 years in Washington, knowing a lot of people who work there and knowing a lot about it. We understate the power of this intel agency with an unknown budget, unknown staff, unknown reach, unknown mission. Like it's completely out of control, like much more than people understand. It's completely out of control. And it's also completely corrupt. I was telling my wife at dinner actually two nights ago. Um, with a bunch of relatives sitting there, we were thinking of four separate real estate transactions that we were personally party to or on the same street or next door to or whatever 
of CIA officers, current CIA officers who are paying millions of dollars for a very expensive real estate. Oh my gosh. And my wife's like, oh, what about that one? We sold our house once to a CIA officer for all this money. It's like, and the question was like, where do they get all this money? (laughs) You're a federal employee. Where'd you get $4 million or $12 million? You know what I mean? Like, leaving aside the assassinations and the the subversion of democracy, just the pure financial corruption of the CIA is like a mind-blowing story that the average person knows nothing about. It's true. And so that's weird. As I watch that clip, I'm still like, I got to resolve this thing with Tucker and his dad. And I just remembered, you know, he's talking about like CIA agents, you know, buying houses with budgets outside of their, you know, um, being servants of the government, being a part of the CIA, it's not, as far as we know or would think, a part of their salary. Like, how is their salary paying for million-dollar housing, multi-million-dollar? Um, Tucker's dad was the chair or the, the head, the director of the VOA. The VOA is the Voice of America, which is a state, not um, spawned, this is state-owned and operated media outlet. So he was literally the propagandist you say propagandist, right? I, I don't know. Uh, could be positive, could be negative. But he led the state-owned media outlet for a, a long period, a decent period of time, under a decade, but over five years, I believe. Um, which I find interesting, and especially considering Tucker. I like Tucker, but it brings into some, into at least in my mind, some trust issues. Because a lot of people say, once you're, you know, once your dad's a, a spook, once your dad's in it, it's pretty much like you're in it too. And I can't help but think that. I can't help but think that Tucker's, I don't know, man. It's weird, like in our, in our, in our era of uh, media, news consumption, me- independent, you know, and then these up and coming daily wires and whatever uh, media outlets that seem to be more independent the greatest asset is trust. And once you've outed yourself as a shill or like a Nikki Haley or, you know, the people that are just like advocating for agendas that aren't organic, they're not, you know, propped up by reason. The people are smart and the people know. And uh, I think you're, you're immediately tossed out. But what's interesting is Dave Smith, Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, Candace Owens. There's a lot of these figures in media right now who have, um, maintained their integrity, in, at least in the public eye right now. But I am, I'm testing Tucker. I, I don't know, man. I like him a lot, but I just, I, what do you think? Do you think he's in any way is possible for him to be, um, you know, not quite who we, we think he is? I wouldn't be surprised if his media career was jump-started by his dad's connections. Or maintained. Or, because the dude's like still doing it, and yeah, he's true. But he, he didn't have if, like if the most popular. Else without the connections that you would assume a CIA or former CIA or government connected guy has, if he didn't have those as his infrastructure as his foundation, he, he would be go- long gone by now. You would think. Well, I mean, Beck did it, but and it was harder for Glenn Beck at the time. I mean, that you know that was the first nail in the coffin of cable news network. I think was when Glenn Beck started the blaze at least for conservatives. Mm. Um, And in a lot of ways, he paved the way for that. He primed the appetite of the American public for direct-to-consumer conservative political content. And maybe you could make the case that now there's a marketplace that just was ready to accept Tucker because of that, make make the transition and make it successfully and quickly. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, nepotism on his dad's part got him where he was. I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's so hard. I will say that CIA is a dark organization and the FBI is for that matter. I mean, let alone if you're just talking like brass tacks, balancing budgets, you know, what's the best thing to do with our resources? There are so many documentaries and so many articles you can read about FBI agents bringing in a drug trafficker on all these charges that turns out to be a CIA agent that's doing it like on the behest of the U.S. government and so he gets like out, but then he can't return to certain regions. Like it's insane. Right. Like how many like conflicts were involved in overseas, not even on American soil. 
that we're at odds with two different sides of our own government. Mm-hmm. And it's just so bizarre. So, yeah. I mean, you know, for asking the question, is the CIA evil and corrupt? Yeah, 100%. I just, just yeah, and cut it's, it off. <laughs> and it is possible that it started out as like a, you know, a good thing, you know, with good intentions and like any other thing, just got corrupted over time. And I heard this interesting statement the other day. It was, I think I was watching like a, like a docuseries on the CIA or something. And they said that the reason that it always goes weird with intelligence agencies in the U S is because you're not supposed to have secret intelligence agencies in an open and free democracy. Like those things are ideologically opposed and so they have to violate one another in order to coexist. And so mm. one is constantly like abusing the other, you know? Right. And it made sense to me. Like I never thought of that before because I've only ever grown up in an America where we have intelligence agencies and we have top secret information and things that you and I aren't privy to. Yeah. And when I heard that statement, it was like, it was really quick. And I was like, oh, that's why this doesn't work because we're supposed to live in a free open society where the general public gets to make the decisions and send a delegate to D.C. to do our bidding, and that whole system falls apart when you literally have a deep state running everything. Mm-hmm. And you can't trust your government when you're not allowed to know what the government's up to, even if it's benevolent. It's difficult. You can't trust in that type of environment. Okay, so in this next segment, we have Elon. Uh, he's under a lot of pressure right now. And he was on a, an interview with, I don't remember the guy's name, but it was a New York Times-related forum type thing. Elon just got back from Israel, where he looked firsthand at what happened, some of those things, and who many people are dubbed, this is, uh, they're labeling this as an apology tour because he's under heat for a comment he made, multiple comments, of course, he's been under heat for the charge of anti-Semitism for multiple things. He's in an advertiser war right now, where a lot of advertisers who are allegedly not wanting to affiliate with um, him because of his alleged anti-Semitism, which is just based off of this, mainly based right now at least, off of this tweet and his response. But for context, can you read the original tweet there? Not the, that one right there, yeah. It says, okay, Jewish communities have been pushing the exact kind of dialectical hatred against whites that they claim to join people, that they claim to want people to stop using against them. I'm deeply disinterested in giving the tiniest shit now about Western Jewish populations coming. Oh, crap. Lost it. Coming to the disturbing realization that those hordes of minorities that support flooding their country don't exactly like them too much. You want truth said to your face. There it is. And so Elon does respond to this and it has 8 million impressions says you have said the actual truth. So the, the poster said, Jewish people have advocated for, you know, uh, Jewish communities have been pushing the exact same uh, kind of dialectical hatred. That's powerful. So he says that, and, and, and Elon kind of affirms it, and he kind of doubles down. I think there's another comment, too, on the bottom of it. Does he, I think he creates context. Is it there? It might have gotten de-escalated. Yeah, there's so many replies. It may just be pushed down. It, it got so... That was like the tweet. Anyway, so he gets in a lot of trouble for this. And shortly after this, you see him, you know, do talks and he went to Israel and all these things. And so people on t- uh, Twitter, and that, that sets the stage for what he's about to say, going to the clip that everyone's been talking about. And you're clarifying this now. Um, but there's a public perception that that was part of a apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. <laughs> is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Bob Iger. Well, let me ask you then. CEO of Disney. That's how I feel. Don't about, advertise. How do you think then about the economics of, of X? If, 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 if part of the underlying model, at least today, and maybe it needs to shift, maybe the answer is it needs to shift away from advertising, um, 
if, if you believe that this is the one part of your business where you will be beholden to those who uh, have this view, what do you do? F Y. I, so I what's crazy, real quick, pause, too. <laughs> we'll continue. But what's crazy is him saying GFY to the advertisers trying to control him and his speech and his business is even that is going to be um, construed as anti-Semitism because the interviewer himself is Jewish. Bob, Bob Iger is Jewish. And so I, <coughs> I believe uh, Elon's not anti-Semitic at all. Uh, he just finds that some of his opponents tend to be that, and he's happy to speak out against those opponents specifically. They'll extrapolate it and then say that he is this, and I think that's the predicament he finds himself in, but he's like, yeah, I'm not going to be controlled by, by you, individuals, CEOs, whatever. And uh, he, he alludes to himself being philo-Semitic, actually, and he's said, said that very, very many times. Let's continue. Right? Yes. No, no. It, it, I mean, I, Linda no, Yaccarino's right here, and she's got to sell advertising. Absolutely. So, um, no, no, totally. So, so no, no, actually, what, what this advertising boycott is, uh, is, is going to do, it's, it's going to kill the company. And do you think that the company... And the whole world will know that those advertisers killed the company, and we will document it in great detail. But there are, those advertisers, I imagine, are going to say, they're going to say, we didn't kill the company. Oh, yeah? They're going to say... Tell it to, tell it to Earth. But they're going to, say that, they're going to say, Elon, that you killed the company because you said these things and that they were inappropriate things and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform, right? That's, see, that's and, what and they're going to say. And let's see how Earth responds to that. So let me, okay, this, then this goes back to... We'll, the, we'll both make our cases. Right. And we'll see what the outcome is. What are the economics of that for you? I mean, you, you have enormous resources, so you can actually keep this company going for a very long time. Would you keep it going for a long time if there was no advertising? So that's good. I mean, if the company fails because of... Massive. Going insanely viral. I think for almost everybody, yeah, you've probably seen it by now. But it's, it's gone insanely viral. I don't know that he's being charged with anti-Semitic, you know, anti-Semitism for his response in that, but people are loving it because, in, 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 you know, even Ben Shapiro came out who's Jewish, obviously, and is in approval. He's saying, yes, the progressives. And so it's being framed. It's so crazy, the dialogue that's going on, politically speaking. It's so charged in so many different directions. Anyway, so today I, I see this, uh, and everybody's saying, boycott Disney. <laughs> Again, which they're already kind of being boycotted, which they go on to allude to say. Yeah, he kind of challenges them. You think they're going to boycott Disney? You think they're really going to go against Disney? It's like, they already are, and they are. So people are canceling their Disney uh, subscriptions, which is crazy because Disney owns ESPN. Um, they own Hulu. ABC. Uh, ABC. I mean, they own a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. They have a lot of power. So for them pulling advertisements, it's actually a big deal to, to X uh, as far as you know the lack of financing. I also did see a lot of people saying, I'm going to become a premium subscriber, a premium uh, X subscriber, which I think is like eight bucks, sixteen bucks a month, which would would help, you know, in in the you know circumventing the advertisers situation. But it's crazy. Elon might lose this little the war, you know, on X. You know, he might win. He's obviously. I think he's. I think it's great for uh, the company, in a sense, right? Obviously, there's controversy, but controversy brings it tension. What's that? What's that? Uh, phrase it's like a, an attention begets influence and influence begets power uh i don't think this was a calculated thing by him i think he's just being true and honest like go f yourself there's that clip i actually saw today where tucker said a similar thing um and so did dana white where everybody's like you're trying to tell me who to vote for you know you're trying to tell me what i can and cannot talk about mm, no so anyways, that's an interesting uh, story arc. But what I think is inter more interesting that people, maybe not more interesting, but maybe equally uh, interesting is at the same uh, summit, Elon gets asked about OpenAI. And there's a lot of drama going on here. And I actually never followed any of this, but it's, it's really concerning. Um, Elon Musk is a co-founder of OpenAI. 
and uh, he he actually coined the name Open AI after open source. He obviously believes in transparency, as we've seen through opening up that situation to the public. Anyways, um, so here is the summation of what's currently been happening. The CEO's gotten fired, then he's gotten rehired. So there's a lot of turmoil going on in the uh, open AI world. What's this video? On November 17th, Ilya Sutskever invited OpenAI co-founder Altman to a board meeting, where he was informed that he had just been fired. CTO Mira Moranti was subsequently named as interim CEO. Soon after, OpenAI president Greg Brockman and many other senior execs decided to resign in solidarity with Altman. Microsoft, which reportedly has a 49% stake in OpenAI, was quote-unquote furious with the decision and began working to have Altman reinstated. On Sunday, Altman returned to OpenAI headquarters to negotiate his reinstatement. However, the board hired former Twitch CEO Emmett Shear instead. This led Microsoft to hire Altman and Brockman for a new advanced AI research team. The OpenAI board finally caved, and at 10pm PST on Tuesday evening, announced it had finally agreed to rehire Altman as CEO. But why did all this happen? It might have something to do with a letter reportedly written by several staff researchers warning of a powerful artificial intelligence discovery that they said could threaten humanity. So, so oh, that's, that's cheery. So that's it, right? So there's this drama going on, and at the core of it, what seems to be happening is there's this narrative, this like discovery of AI and potentially harmful things. And Elon Musk in this clip alludes to a similar thing. So as you saw Sam Altman get ousted yeah. by somebody you know, Ilya, and Ilya was somebody was a friend of yours. Yes, you brought him there. Uh, your relationship with Larry Page effectively broke down over you recruiting him away, that's, I think. That's correct. That was the fight. That was the... Larry refused to be friends with me after I recruited Ilya. And so here's Ilya apparently saying something is very wrong. I think we should be concerned about this because I think Ilya actually has a strong moral compass. Um, he thinks about... He, you know, he, he really sweats it over questions of what is right. Um, and if Ilya felt strongly enough to want to, you know, fire Sam. Well, I think the world should know what was that reason. Have you talked to him? I've reached out, but he, he doesn't want to talk to anyone. Have you talked to other people behind the scenes? Is this all happening? I've talked to a lot of people. As nobody, I've not found anyone who knows why. Have, have you? I think we are all still trying to find out. I mean, look, one of two things is, is either it was a serious thing and we should know what it is, or it was not a serious thing and, and then the board should resign. What do you think of Sam Altman? Hmm. I have mixed feelings about Sam. Such a loaded question. I, I do, um, you know, the, the ring of power, you know, can corrupt. Um, And this is the ring of power. So, you know, I don't know. I think, I want to know why Ilya felt so strongly as to fire Sam. This sounds like a serious thing. I, d I don't think it was trivial. And I'm quite concerned that, this, that there's some, you know, dangerous element of AI that they've, they've created. Discovered? Yes. You think they've discovered something? That would be my guess. Where are you? Well, hold with on, your pause. Own AI efforts. I actually didn't listen to much beyond this part. But that got me. I'm like, okay, what? There's That's all what I'm saying. It's freaking creepy. And, and what's weird is, is, is Elon's kind of framing this like good, bad narrative, and he's saying that uh, Ilya, I think that's how you pronounce it, is a guy that he, he, he uh, poached from, I think, uh, Google. Google. And uh, he says he's got a strong moral compass. And then it, on the contrary, he's saying Sam Altman, who's the current CEO and has just been reinstated, doesn't. Or that the ring of power has corrupted him. I just find it so fascinating. And it's so hard not to mention. Can you go to his Wikipedia, Sam Altman? Sam Altman has interesting connections. And I can't imagine Elon's not aware of them. And bringing this into the other conversation, 
of anti-Semitism, one has to assume or guess that the, the asker of the question, what do you think of Sam Altman? That's why I said it was a loaded question. Sam Altman's also Jewish. CEO, and so here he is, he's like harping on, he's like, do you, it, I can't help but think the, the questioner's like trying to frame up Elon as like, you are anti-Semitic. Now, I don't know that, but that's, I mean, it's an interesting line of questioning to go down. Now, of course, Elon's the head of, you know, he's on the board or he's at least co-founder of OpenAI, so it concerns him. And he is asking him mostly about Tesla, SpaceX, how much power Elon wields. But there's a theme throughout much of what I've heard throughout this interview is that there's kind of like this good and bad. Previous to this little clip, Elon was talking about there was an imbalance. He called it a unipolar world in, in technology, specifically in regards to AI. And then unless there was a counterbalance toward good, that it would go bad. And he said it was ironic that open AI is actually closed for profit AI, which is what it's become, contrary to his desires. And so there's this war in technology of good versus evil. And it's so fascinating and I'm, it's developing. This is happening right now. I'm so curious. And even Elon couldn't find out by that guy, Elia, why he fired Sam Altman. Another interesting thing, I don't know if it was in that clip that we watched the summary or if it was in something else I watched, but 49% of Microsoft, or Microsoft owns 49% of OpenAI. If I'm not mistaken, that's what I remember reading. And that immediately, once he got ousted, Sam Altman, they went to work immediately to get him reinstated. He got reinstated, and here we are. And so it seems as if there really is like this like powerful ring that they're like, we need to wield this, we need to wield this, and is it going to go in, in the favor of the good guys? Is it going to go in favor of the bad guys? Which is kind of the theme of the CIA, is kind of the theme of... Uh, on the cusp of new developments. In lighter news... AI video generation. So this is fascinating in light of AI. AI video generation is getting shockingly good. In a couple of years, anyone will be able to create a movie from a smartphone. We're entering a whole new era of film. Uh, let's see the video generation. Totally AI. That's insane. They'll take an image that AI generated. Totally fake. Not real. That's insane. Oh, I have no idea what the possibilities of this is going to be. So there's on the screen for the listener only. There's a video of a car, a train, a cowboy guy, a robot, digital robot, and they're all video. Again, AI generated. No budget. Oh, and then they, they made real life the meme. Oh my gosh. Look at the woman's face. The red dress. <laughs> so they screw it <laughs> up, but it's going to get better. That's what's crazy. They also did the dog that's hanging out in the fire meme. Just scroll down a bunch. Oh, that was interesting. Go to that was a music video. Somebody created from entirely AI. Can you full screen that? It looks like film. I wonder if the music's AI. Anyways. Oh yeah, there's the meme. So now it's, you know. AI's created it, a video, turned it into a video. That one's not that crazy. Um, and then lastly, we have the future of live sports. This is interesting. So it's like more augmented reality. Where like there's a table, an NBA table, where they're like watching the game happen right before them in front of their chairs, like in a living room. It's like three-dimensional and the players are following the real life movements. Oh, it's so weird. It's like a hologram. Yeah, it's insane. It looks like a hologram, but obviously it's augmented reality. It's probably glasses or goggles or whatever. 
That's crazy. Oh, it's kind of horrifying. Yeah, it is. You know, I always think about stuff like this. Like, have you ever seen the movie Matrix? Everyone has, right? Uh, where Neo is downloading, where he's accepted, he, he realizes he comes out of the Matrix, and then they start teaching him things, right? They're teaching him, like, all these, like, martial arts or whatever, but they download too much into him too quickly, and he panics in the, in the Matrix, and, he, and he's freaking out, and then he comes out of the Matrix, and he throws up. I feel like sometimes, like, with the amount that we're getting in new technological development, whatever, I feel like that sometimes, like freak out, like the brain just doesn't have the capacity to handle all of this stuff. And then I found a video of Chorus uh, as the final video here. Um, I didn't realize you created this content in the final video. I didn't know that. When did you create this video? Oh, great. What is Who, this? Did you do Let it me know what it is. Is it this? Yeah, where were you? <laughs> 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 that's good that's so funny hey thanks for sticking with us all the way to the end of the video if you made it give the show a like if you liked it comment down below what your favorite segment was um love you bye <laughs>